The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hey, it's Jesse coming at you with a bonus episode this week. This one feels mission critical. It comes to us from a member of our team, Michaela Greer. On Hello Monday, we talk about how work is changing and we must change to make the most of it. But it's not possible to do that if we feel awful. As we head into a pandemic fall that feels like it will never end, a lot of us are feeling bad, burnt out, stressed, depressed. And Michaela pointed out that if we're not talking about that on our show, we can't even begin to have a career conversation. Here she is. 2020 has been one for the books. And if you're anything like me, some of those chapters have likely taken a toll on your mental well-being at one time or another. Dr. Rita Walker is a licensed clinical psychologist and tenured professor of psychology at the University of Houston. She specializes in the area of Black mental health, particularly as it affects Black women and children. There's often a stigma in seeking out help, especially if you're a person of faith, because after all, nothing is supposed to get you down. So it's hard to admit you might need support. Yet, Dr. Walker has titled her book, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. So I started our conversation by asking Dr. Walker what she would say to someone who looked at her book and said, hmm, I'm fine, I'll pass, not for me. On some level, that honestly makes me sad, but I know that there are a lot of people who feel like, well, as long as I can get out of bed and I can push myself to, you know, to the brink at times, then I'm doing okay. And I think that a lot of folks don't even have an awareness or insight about the extent to which just stuff piles up for us psychologically and emotionally. Uh, more recently, there was the outcome that was released for the death of Breonna Taylor. And a lot of people are angry and upset, but that kind of distress also just kind of permeates almost like at a cellular level. Like people will wake up this morning and just say, I just feel exhausted. And there are so many people who even before this week, before the death of George Floyd would say, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. It is exhausting. And one of the reasons that I wrote the book is because I do think that the stress and the exhaustion is psychological in a lot of ways, you know, and it's an, a tremendous weight to which the community has habituated to. Like, well, my mama was tired. My grandmama was tired. Everybody's tired. So you just keep it moving. That's part of what it means to be Black or to be a Black woman. You just stay tired. And that narrative, I don't think, is working out anymore. And I think it's why we're seeing a lot more distress in, in this the younger generations. And we have this pride in being resilient people. And you've spoken about this multiple times. What does that strength or feigned strength do to our emotional health? You know, on the one hand, it can be a really good thing. And as you probably know, one of the things that I like to talk about is just our thoughts and how we see ourselves. And that's important to first be able to see yourself as a resilient person you know, who can kind of stand against anything. Because if you don't see yourself in that way, then you are more likely to buckle. Like as our mind goes, so do we. So if the mind says, you got this, then you might have it. But there are limits to that. 
you know, we can run ourselves into the ground and not even realize it because we're so accustomed to just going, 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 going. And a lot of us for like our lives look like the hamster on a hamster wheel. That hamster is just going, 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 going. He's not getting anywhere. She's not getting anywhere. It's <laughs> just going in circles. And we, we function less effectively because we're just exhausted and don't realize the impact of that exhaustion. So someone might snap at their child or snap at a friend and it seems to come out of nowhere, but it's just because, you know, before you know it, you don't have the wherewithal to deal with seemingly small things because, you know, you're on the cusp of maybe having a nervous breakdown and not realizing it. And I am glad you mentioned that Michelle Obama, Mrs. Obama made headlines when she came out last month and was discussing, you know, I, I felt this way. How do we start to identify as people what depression looks like or anxiety looks like or what's out of the ordinary for us? Yeah, I think we have to start probably with recognizing the stigma that's associated with saying, you know, I feel depressed or I feel I feel anxious. Uh, because when we get sidetracked by what that means, because for a lot of people, saying that you feel depressed or saying that you feel anxious means that you're weak, means that you're not strong. It means that you're not resilient. And we first need to recognize that there's like there's levels to this. And that's why I introduced in the book this idea or this notion of psychological fortitude that you can give yourself a rating. Like forget anxiety, forget depression. Think about your ability to just be able to function on a day-to-day -day basis. So if your tank is on empty, you're at about a zero. You can't cook meals. You can't help your nine-year-old co-worker with their schoolwork. You know, you can't take care of your health. You know, a lot of us need to be exercising or at least getting outside, especially now, just moving around, moving our physical bodies. But you just don't have the wherewithal to do any of that because you're exhausted. And so if every individual is willing to give themselves a rating, so your psychological fortitude rating, zero being tank is empty, I got nothing. Um, and 10 being I'm cooking with grease. You know, there are a few people who are at a 10 right now because there's so much going on. There's so much disruption. You know, we can't connect willingly with family members or elder members of, of our family in particular and friends. And so it's hard to be able to take care of yourself, recognizing that you may be using some cognitive brain cells, just dealing with stuff. And so if someone on a zero to 10 says that, you know, like, yeah, I'm at an eight, nine, I'm suspicious of tens, but 10 today. Great. Great. If they're at a five or lower, and they find that they kind of hang out around five, maybe six, then they probably need to be making some adjustments. And the adjustments look like, you know, maybe not taking on that new project at work. Like it sounds nice, but if you're at a five or six, you don't need to be taking on anything else. Um, or just finding ways to just, you know, find small um, opportunities to have joy through a Zoom you know, talking to your friend, Michaela, you know, like finding small opportunities to boost your your psychological fortitude. And I love this idea of a meter. I used to love my commute. That's my time. Put in your headphones and listen to music and read a book or whatever. We've lost this time. How do we look after our own selves while we're trying to look after other people? 
That's a good question. You got to steal that time wherever you can. One of my favorite things to do is to go sit in the car and turn on my music. Uh, there was one occasion where my child was literally in the house looking for me. And I didn't know because I was in the garage in the car with my music playing quite loudly. And I was enjoying that music too. And so I say that to say, you know, wherever the little space is where you can carve out time, because somebody might say, well, that's nothing, you know, like what I get to listen to one song because they're going to be beating on the car window, you know, but, but it all adds up. And because we're in such stressful times, and like you said, you, you've lost that commute for some people, like not having to commute is like, oh, that's so good. But you missed that time because it was your quiet time. And so you have to find ways, even if you say to the family, um, I'm going for a walk for 15 minutes. Do not look for me. Don't put out an APB. I am going for a walk. And, and maybe have that as your regular routine so that the family comes to expect it. And you don't have to like negotiate for the time. You know, it's the end of a work day. It's five o'clock. It's 3.30, whatever. Okay, don't overthink it. Have your shoes by the door. Bye-bye. And go out the door. Um, and for people who maybe are single moms who have, you know, younger children, like don't have that many, you know, can't leave the house for 15 minutes. That would not be a good idea. Um, you know, stealing that time in the shower. I know that there are little people who like to come into the bathroom, but parents are going to have to start saying, okay, mommy's going to take a shower for mommy's time. And after mommy's time, then we have your time. So this is how you negotiate. So the child knows what to expect. And maybe the child doesn't get it the first time, but stick to the plan. You know, I'm going to take a shower. And when we take these showers, like it's always fascinating to me that people get in showers and that we might as well get in showers with our clothes on because we get in the shower and we go to work. Like the mind starts thinking about, okay, what am I going to do when I get out? Oh, I missed. I forgot. Oh, I need to call. And we go through this Rolodex of work rather than just being in the shower. And so there's somebody who's going to get in the shower this evening or tomorrow morning. It's going to, it's going to open up a whole new world. And if you find yourself getting off track and starting to think about things like, it's okay, just come back, you know, feel the water on your neck, on your shoulder. You know, if it's just, you know, if it's just warm enough, play with the temperature, just be in the shower without thinking about the workload or what the family needs to cook or what the groceries need to happen. Cause there's, that stuff is going to be there. It's not going anywhere. Um, and so we have to figure out small ways to make adjustments. Big changes aren't going to work. Um, or if they work for a day, that'll be it just one day. So we have to make, have the accumulation of smaller changes and adjustments. And how do we get started on that? Say, I really love listening to what you have to say. I love your ideas. How do we start putting these small little things into practice and keep ourselves accountable to these little things? Well, I like accountability. And one of the ways to boost accountability is to let somebody else know what you're doing. So, you know, a sibling, cousin, family member, friend, whomever say, hey, I just listen to this podcast, and I chose one thing that I want to do for myself. And this is the one thing. And I'm sharing it with you so you can ask me tomorrow or the next day or whenever how it went. 
Because yeah, it's so easy to fall back into our usual patterns. But if we get some accountability, then someone else can ask us like that thing that you said you're going to do, how'd that go? It's okay to say, um, fail. Like it was an absolute fail. And then talk about what went wrong. Like what was the, the challenge um, that kept you from being successful in the goal? So you problem solve. So if you say, I'm going to be quiet or quiet my mind in the shower for five minutes, but it lasts for two minutes. Fine. Next goal, three minutes, you know? And so make the adjustments. But we also do need to be thoughtful about like, what are the things that make sense for your life? The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And I want to take a little step back also to talk about this idea, this running theme that you had in your book about community and how having a community and knowing your historical roots is so important to your day-to-day -day life and your mental health. Um, how do we, as coworkers even, when somebody comes in, we're seeing all these images come across the news, we're seeing this social unrest that's happening, we have our own things happening at home. How do we be better coworkers and, and just friends? One of my favorite things to recommend is related to psychological fortitude. And I like that PF rating because it's easy. We oftentimes ask people, well, how are you doing? Fine. I'm getting by, you know, whatever. And we say those things in part because, you know, we really don't want to go through the litany of things that are going wrong or how difficult a time we're having. But when you can give someone a numerical value, that's pretty informative. You know, like if you say I'm at an eight, um, that tells me a little bit more information than I'm doing great. But if you say I'm doing all right and you say you're at a four, that tells me that something is going on. And so I think that it'd be great if people can get into the habit. And since, you know, one of my friends read the book, she now will ask me, you know, randomly, what's your PF? The thing about the PF rating is that you don't have to do any of those or you can do all of those. If we don't or if the person doesn't want to talk, but maybe they just want to be distracted and talk about the latest music that they heard. 
then that takes them away from that mindset and that mind space that got them to a five. And then after maybe having had some time together saying, hey, so, you know, where's your PF? Is it about the same? And they might say, you know what? It's it's gone up a notch. Huh. Imagine that. So we do like pre and post assessment, but we don't call it that. We're just checking in and we're doing so again intentionally so that we can understand how folks are doing and how we can be helpful. Uh, I was sick a few months ago. It was food poisoning oh. and um, I wasn't doing so well. And my son could tell. And uh, he was he was nine at the time. And so he would say, oh, he saw me and he said, you know, mom, are you OK? And I said, well, I'm not I'm not doing so good, actually. I was laying on the sofa and he said, on a zero to 10, you know, how bad are you feeling? And I was like, what? My Who's picked up on this? Um, you know, he's a child of a of couple psychologists and he picked up on that. And I, at the time I told him that I was at a five and I could tell his, I could see his little wheels turning, trying to figure out, okay. Um, so then he said, do you want some water? And it was the sweetest thing. So he offered me some water because he knew that five wasn't so good. So he got me his water, um, got me some water. Then he went to play video games. But otherwise, without that zero to 10, he would have gone straight to play video games. Like, oh man, you're not doing so good. Okay, all right, um, good luck with that. <laughs> but I really appreciated that. That said to me how easy that is that a nine-year-old little boy could ask his mom for a zero to 10 and then realize okay, let me do something because of where she is at a five and that's not so good. Right. Is there anything that you would love to tell your neighbor down the street or somebody you just met? What should we be doing? If, if you take nothing else from this conversation, what should I start doing today? Well, actually, it's something that I don't think I have said, which is please give yourself some grace. Just take your foot off the gas if only for a few minutes. So I mentioned being in the shower and taking some time there, but sometimes it doesn't take all that. It just takes saying or acknowledging I'm not in a good place and I've not been in a good place for a while now. What might it take? Do I need to connect with someone? No, I can't get on a plane but can I call someone that I maybe haven't talked to in a while who I've always loved talking to? Like we don't have to have these grand gestures. And the challenge though with these grand gestures is that they're less likely to happen because we just get overwhelmed thinking about everything that goes with pulling it off, but just doing a small thing. And for those who get paralyzed by their thoughts, like I can't do this for another couple of months or I can't take any more police initiated violence. Like I just, I cannot get out a, a Starbucks receipt, a journal, whatever piece of paper and write down those thoughts so that they can get off of the hamster wheel. And then we kind of free up brain space to be able to take care of ourselves and come up with some creative ideas. I literally yesterday was just like, I cannot. And turned on some music. It was iHeartRadio. I turned on the hip hop workout channel and they were, they were playing a, a jam and I recorded myself dancing to this song and I sent it to a couple friends <laughs> and they had a good time, you know, like just being able to create a moment of levity sometimes just, it goes, it goes a long way. 
It really does. I love that. We need to be a lot kinder to ourselves, especially now. So thank you very much. And thank you for talking with me today, Dr. Walker. You're more than welcome. That was Dr. Rita Walker. You can get a copy of The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health from your favorite bookseller. I'd like to challenge you right now to check in with yourself. What's your PF score on a scale of one to 10? And what could make this better? It may be a cup of tea or my favorite, an ice lolly. Or maybe you just need to speak to someone. Whatever it is, please do it. And if you're up for it, please let me know on LinkedIn using the hashtag HelloMonday. Jesse will be back on Monday. I'm Michaela Greer. Be well.